Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Bean. This week, we are going to be talking about the best soundtracks from the 90s. And to join us in that discussion, we have teamed up with a, another podcast, the Super Friends Sit Down, and we are with Vince Stamp and Alex Bianchi. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Alex Bianchini? Bianchini? Close. Yeah, Bianchini. You got it. Have you guys right. met hey. before? We have, but I always just call him Alex. I don't yes. fucking, I don't refer to his last name. Truth be told, my, my first name is actually Alessandro, but there's just a lot of syllables, so we just... Yeah, my last name is Stampolis, but a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of syllables here. So there's we'll too just, many fucking syllables. It's Vince and Alex. Yeah, we okay. are here with them at Super Friends Sit Down. What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Yes. We're super excited to be here. Uh, obviously, fun. the 90s is very huge for us. Also very into the whole beer scenario that we're going to be getting into. So. Yeah, that's always nice. Except, unfortunately, so like we, you know, I know we mentioned that we have a theme, but may not fit this one. <laughs> it's all right. I kind of just sent Corey a picture of what I had in my stash. and was like, what haven't you had and what would you be into? And then we just did it like that. So that's, that's always that's fun. fair enough. All right. So, Beam, what are you drinking over there? All right. So, as I mentioned, I, all right, I do have a beer that could be closely themed with this episode it's called his airness it's it's a beer from magnify brewing obviously this is in reference to michael jordan an icon of the 80s or 80s 90s i'm stuck in the 80s for some reason after watching the wedding singer um but obviously an icon of the 90s a sports icon of the 90s but it's a quadruple ipa it's 12 percent. i want to be able to function through this episode so Instead, I'm going to be drinking a beer I actually just picked up today, local local beer, local craft brewery called Fiden's. Uh, it's, a, it's a beer called Spruce, and it's 7.3, so I feel like I can manage. That's a lot more manageable. Let's get this shit started, bro. So, as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about 90s soundtracks on this episode. And so where I want to start, and Vince, I'll start with you. When you were thinking about this and when we kind of gave you this prompt of the best 90s soundtrack, what what is it that you're looking for in a soundtrack? And what is it about the 90s that you're looking to capture with your choices? So the obvious answer is when I was looking at my selection of movies, I wanted something overall gay. But then I also wanted that good good start to finish soundtrack with storytelling. My my reason that I picked most of the movies that I did is because certain songs when they play in the scene are furthering along the motive and the plot of the movie. So for me, like I enjoy that because it's all part of storytelling. It's like how you have like a Broadway musical and like they're using the music to tell the story. It's the same way it just translates into a movie where you just don't have people singing and dancing. I just I like I like I like good. 90s music i picked one of the movies i picked was clueless because it's a very diverse well-rounded soundtrack of all 90s music that you can really just bop to nice alex what about you what were you looking for truth be told i as soon as you brought this idea to me the first thing i thought about is i had a a very intense flashback just to wandering the aisles of easy video (laughs) what is easy video easy video we don't have those up here easy video i don't know if it was a chain I think it was a single store. If you're familiar with the area, and I don't know if you remember, but if you know where Miller's Ale House is on Route 9, that's where Easy Video is. 
yeah. or was. It, it was kind of anymore. <laughs> You're telling me like isn't it strictly porn shop. Like it just kind of has a, a that name. It does, no, and that, they also <laughs> did have like the cliche like shutter doors where there is obvious adult movies. I love that. But bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but Easy Video is much like Blockbuster, but it was like its own standalone, and that's just where you went to go and rent movies. And for me, that's where I kind of base this off of is my childhood and what I grew up with and just the staying power that those movies and the music in them provided for me to now be 31 and still be hyped up by just like a theme song of something like I don't know anybody it's it's not something I chose but I don't know anybody who doesn't immediately get happy when they hear the DuckTales theme song fair point I I seriously considered the Men in Black soundtrack just because of the "Here Come the Men in Black." It's, oh fuck yeah! That's just that's, iconic. And my wife brought that up immediately. It's the reason why when we did the Summer Jam episode, and I was putting together a list, a further list beyond what we had on the episode, my wife Sarah was just immediately like, "You need to put the Men in Black song on there." I'm like, "You know what? You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right." So I, I almost picked it too, specifically for that song. Plus, you have what Danny Elfman did the soundtrack too, which. That's also something. There's there's but, something, something said for that. What didn't Danny Elfman do in the nineties? No, that's fair. No, it's, he yeah. was he he was like the orchestral god of the nineties. Very prolific. Beam, what were you looking for in your soundtracks? I mean, a little bit along the same lines as what Alex said. It's it's tough that kind of even I mean, kind of introduced me to a lot of different bands. Or I I don't know because with me with with soundtracks I. I, I sometimes saw them as separate and apart from each other. Like I just I in terms of like, you know, buying into the capitalist part of it, I was so into the whole package deal. You're into the soundtrack, it's into the movie, it's just a part of the experience kind of thing. Um it, that's just when I was a kid, I wasn't really paying attention to it as much. And then like revisiting it, yes, I can understand the importance. Like with the one of the movies that I have uh, selected, it's pretty much the soundtrack of like what's generally playing in my car, anyways. So, um, plus, I also wanted to, with one of the, you know, at least with one of the movies I had, how it actually played into the storyline. A lot of it could have been, you know, sometimes it's just background music, but it's perfect for the time setting of what it is because that's what they were listening to at the time. Or, you know, um, sometimes it's the band that's playing in the background or just something where it just kind of fits the theme of that movie it fits just sort of the feel of that movie and uh i also just really love the 90s music era so it it wasn't it was kind of hard to try and pick between all of them Um, if it wasn't for the fact that elvira wasn't a musical like like it didn't have like a much of a soundtrack to it i would have picked elvira fuck love the 90s yeah i mean for me when i think of a soundtrack i need to have the scene of the movie and the song that goes along with it it's what plays in my head when i think about that song or that movie i'm picturing the scene that it's playing in and if i don't have that then i'm like eh, that's not a great soundtrack so you know goodfellas immediately came to mind because of the opening scene where you know frank sinatra comes in or the copacabana walking scene and the song was playing there i didn't ultimately pick it but you know things like that dazed and confused with sweet sweet emotion in the intro like I always remember that and I always remember sweet emotion in that scene in the movie. So I was looking for that connection. I also really like when the director uses music to set you in a time or place. So Days and Confused does that really well. I didn't ultimately pick it, but you know, I also like when movies do that to set 
the setting using music as a vehicle to do so. So that's something I was really looking for. So let's get to our top five then. And Vince, we'll start with you. Um, What we've tried to do here is Vince and Alex have collaborated to make five-ish. Beam and I have collaborated to make five-ish. We have some honorable mentions that we'll throw out at the end, but we're just going to go through, we'll go back and forth and kind of talk about them. So uh, Vince, what's the first one you want to talk about, man? Uh, The first one that I'll talk about, I will start with, is a 90s horror movie called Urban Legends. I love that you gave it a rating. Absolutely. In your, I rated in your own notes. I rated the soundtrack. I was I wanted to make sure I covered all my grounds. And I made sure to have a 8 out of 10, a 9 out of 10, and uh, almost 10 out of 10. Um, the only reason why it wasn't a 10 out of 10 is because Alicia Silverstone is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but the first movie that I uh, picked was Urban Legends. Um, we were actually talking about this before we got on the Zoom call. Corey said that he was happy with my pick for that because the opening scene is a girl being stalked from the backseat of her car and <laughs> totally clips of the heart by Bonnie Taylor is playing in the background and it just keeps telling her to turn around and she just keeps driving straight ahead and this person in the backseat keeps coming up out of the backseat, the axe, and she finally turns around and gets, uh, spoiler alert, killed. <laughs> But it was I mean, just... it kind of sounded like that's what you were setting us up for anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like she was going to turn around. It's like, I have pie. Wouldn't you like that, though? I, would, hey, like I got tickets to the favorite band. I mean, if it was scary yeah. movie, it would have been that. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> yeah, if it was scary, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where the song is foreshadowing. It's, you know, moving the storyline along. It's giving you clues. It's pushing a narrative. It's, it's so on the nose, but it's just a well done on the nose storytelling with music yeah and i I think the on the nose of it is played for comedy and honestly like it works perfectly because that is one of the funniest opening scenes of a horror movie i've ever seen and it's just delightful you know i i just don't like the movie after that but (laughs) really i i don't but like that that scene is a 10 out of 10 in fucking any movie It's after that I don't care for it, but like that, I was so happy when I saw it on your list because I was like, "That is the best thing ever." Yeah, <laughs> I was cracking up. I mean, and one of the other uh, parts that I had written down is there's a scene with uh, you're gonna love this Tara Reed because yeah. she was in there. Uh, Tara Reed is being killed essentially, and she, they're doing this whole chase, and the song that they're going to is "Love Roller Coaster" that's playing on the radio station of where she works. And it's playing through to all these people's radios. So they hear the song and then they hear her getting attacked in the background. And it's that song's been in like, I think maybe three or four other horror movies to push that along. And I, I just, I appreciate a good, a good 80s song in a 90s movie. How great is Tara Reid jerking off the microphone in the booth yes. in that movie? Yes. <laughs> I, I used to practice that one line that she said she's uh get away from the volcano before it erupts in terms of like not not swallowing <laughs> i love tara reed she's come, getting ready for a career comeback i'm happy for her in what? Like, i don't know what she's gonna do but i'm waiting to see it's it's gonna be a refreshing turn of events from all the sharknados <laughs> oh my god or however many she was in i'm just all saying man i feel like she's taking a lot of hits that scene and then you know all of the sharknados she's just all trying to stay relevant and she'll do anything for it i mean I guess short of probably a few things, but in terms of at least well, movie, she already showed her boobs for everybody. So what does she need to do that for? That's what ruined <laughs> her career, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Did you know that 
she was like she looked really good at the time but she was wearing this like silky black dress and the silk strap like came all the oh, way yeah, down and out. her entire tit came out mm-hmm. and she didn't notice i remember no and she and she was living for the moment because they were eating her up honestly when i was 14 or 15 i was straight up in love with tara reed from, Everyone was, every, from van I wilder tara reed and i'm gay american pie man <laughs> also yeah i didn't like her character in american pie she was wasn't dissecting that at all in america she was kind of a wet blanket but in in van wilder she was like game to party van she wilder, called van she was, on her yeah. shit she like was really good van wilder. She was great she, on scrubs she was in scrubs have, oh yeah was, uh, I guess. she was a love interest oh, okay. i thought for jd oh she was also in a small indie film called josie and the pussycats <laughs> <laughs> And she was hysterical in that. Tara, nobody plays a dumb bimbo blonde like Tara Reid. She really knows how to play the airhead. She killed well. it in uh, Big Lebowski. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Oh, yeah. Sure did. It's it's great and also unfortunate when an actor or actress, they, they fit the role of something so well, and then that's all they get as casting. Oh, typecasting, yes. Thank yeah. you for describing it. You're really redefining the movie, the movie <laughs> industry with that observation, sir. <laughs> You know, sorry for... <laughs> I'm so happy we have an audience here to hear me make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is if this, no one's ever this listened... a normal dynamic? Absolutely. Like, Vince shitting on Alex? Uh-huh. If, if no one's ever listened to our podcast, here's a sneak preview as to what every hour is like. Absolutely. Except I thought I listened we... to someone. I didn't hear that much of, of you shitting. No, I, I tried, I tried so not to be This so is a little mean. more intense. But it's more fun <laughs> when, it, when, like, when he sets himself up for the joke. I have to take it. Are you trying to impress friends? Is that what this is? No, no, I'm just trying to entertain. You guys are guests in my home. I'm trying to entertain. It's it's working. I love it. Beam, let's go to your next pick. What do you got? My my first or, pick. Sorry, your first pick. Say, I don't have a next. I don't know what you're talking about. Switch notes here. Uh, the first one I'm going to go with is Romeo and Juliet. Now, Ooh, with good movie. That was, that was a contender for me. Dude, this movie, though, is insane. Yeah. Um, now, what is the style in which Shakespeare wrote? Was it, is it modern English is what it was referred to? that i don't know yes i just thought it was so speaking in modern english in the way they were while also wearing hawaiian shirts was a choice Mm -hmm. jamie kennedy with his hot pink hair (laughs) yeah exactly i mean dude boz lerman listen he he makes some very fascinating films Mm -hmm. this is certainly one of them it was absurd it was hard to follow with you know having the modern english cut with all of the gunshots that were going off with a lot of just sort of flashing lights and everything else that's going on and trying to follow that dialogue was one of the more difficult things I've ever experienced however it also brings like a really dope soundtrack and I feel Mm -hmm. like the way the soundtrack plays in this film is as if it just makes the whole thing a music video it's like as if Romeo Juliet was a two-hour music video with all these different songs I might be mistaken but I think I was listening to a podcast with Jamie Kennedy where he was talking about Romeo and Juliet right and I I think that might have been one of the intentions behind the film. You know what? Then they succeeded. And yeah. and I'm not upset with it either. Because as much as it may sound like I'm trying to take it down, I, I, I actually loved it. It was it was a ton of fun. This is the fir- I, By the way, this is the first time I like truly watched the movie. I knew the soundtrack separate and apart from it. But for this movie, I was like, well, how did the, the songs work in it? And because it features like a, a fantastic song from Radiohead on there. Uh, I think it's Talk Show Host. And... That song on there, just they play it in mainly the desert scenes that they have, or at least just the scenes where they're just like in either the abandoned or the what seemed like a very rundown carnival with a bunch of different rides. And then there was another scene I know too where it was sort of in a kind of desert setting. And 
I just thought when they did play each of the songs, it fit the scene perfectly in each of them. I just, I, I, and the soundtrack on its own too, just listening to it, it works even just without the film. I mean, I don't know, as a child of the 90s, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like forever now, I think of Romeo and Juliet as Leo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Like, <laughs> that's, if you, if you say Romeo and Juliet to anybody who was between the ages of 10 and like death, <laughs> at that time frame like that's that's what they're going to say back to you is is that version of it yeah well I've, I've never seen a greater testament to love than two dudes having a chicken fight in a car it almost felt like it was set up for the the gas pump scene in uh zoolander in zoolander yeah. <laughs> it seemed like it, this was almost an offshoot of that just a little bit except with guns you're firing guns. it's time also too one of john leguizamo's best performances I don't know what else he could have really done better than than in this one. Because someone someone the other day told me they hated him as an actor, and I had to stand up for him because I was like, you know what? He's been good in some things, and I couldn't recall them immediately. But in this one, he fucking kills it. As was yeah. it Tybalt? I think it is. I think he's a very underrated actor, honestly. And even though the movie itself was very very cheesy, one of my favorite roles that I ever saw him in was as the clown in Spawn. Oh. I thought he was very menacing and also just comically murderous all at the same time, playing this just grotesque and disgusting demon that just had a medieval times turkey leg, like pretty much at all times. Did you ever see Spawn? No. The, sh- don't worry about it. No, that's, I'm like so intrigued right now. You have my attention. Spawn, long story short, is about an assassin who gets betrayed and he gets sent to hell. And then he like makes a deal with the devil to come back to be kind of like a hell's avenger kind of person. He's kind of like an anti-hero. Is he like and, the spawn of Satan? And John Leguizamo is the villain uh, as the clown and then also the violator. Clowns. Yeah. Not the Sarah Paulson clowns, just <laughs> just the clowns. I also don't know who your friend is that is saying John Leguizamo is bad, but they're a moron because he's incredible as John Wick's car guy in John Wick. He's fucking... I, I agree with you. He's incredible as the sous chef in Chef with John Favreau. And as God, a meth head and spun, like he is the most convincing meth head. So like John Leguizamo does everything and he's fucking amazing. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I know. They're just a hater. But, you know, anyways, back to the actual soundtrack, though, of it all. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We're doing it. But, but still, like it did feature a lot of the bands that I loved from the 90s. You, I mean, Everclear is on there. I love Everclear. I know maybe they didn't make all great albums, but they had a few in there and I, I love the song that's actually on here from them, Local God. And then I know they also, you at least have Butthole Surfers on here, which they have a pretty dope song on here too that I think is just fitting for the, this sort of trippy theme of the movie. And uh, the Cardigans, Love Fool. That is one of my favorite songs, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, from the 90s, that when I hear that, I'm just, I'm all for it. I love any covers of it, except for maybe the New Found Glory one as much, but um, it's a fantastic song. And so just separate and apart, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Dude, it's got jams and Everclear. That Everclear album, I, I can't remember. I think it's so much for the Afterglow. Like, that is front to back a masterpiece of the 90s alternative rock record. Oh, Songs from an American Movie Part 2, I think is what it is. I fucking love that album. That was like, that was the one album I was allowed. That was like the one parental advisory album I was allowed to get the first one, I feel like, when I was a kid. So, <laughs> fucking great. Beam, right. before we move on to the next one, sure. I can't let you go. Fair. Go ahead. I know. I know what you're going for. So yeah, go ahead. I know. This, this, this was a last minute replacement pick because you chose Vanilla Sky 
which came out in fucking 2001. Oh. <laughs> so, so, sure. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with you that I, I, I messed up. I was like stuck in my head thinking it was 1999. Like most, it just feels like a lot of it too lived in I other decades. Bits and pieces of that movie. But when I saw that was on the list, I immediately said to Alex, that's not a 90s movie. That came out in 2001. <laughs> And that's I, the only reason why Josie and the Pussycats isn't my number one pick on this list because it came out in 2000, I think, one or three. See, and I can't even say that it was laziness in terms of researching it because I was literally looking up other things for it. It was just pure hubris. I just thought yeah. it was definitely from the Probably 90s. I thought it was at least completely late 90s, like 1999. However, though, I, I mentioned it to you, Corey, and you're like, yeah, great pick. <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, this... <laughs> This is on me too. I didn't like look at it. Saying, but it's I also not my choice. Like, it, it's both of us. No, no, that's fair. It, but it was like I was also like I was in the middle of work and I was like, you know what's a really good one? Vanilla Sky. And then, and then you said, and then you texted me that and it said 2001. I'm like, oh, he's absolutely right. Um, well, you you can thank Vince for that because he's the one who uh, called it out. So I literally thought of that too. I was like, Corey clearly didn't check this himself. Someone brought it up over there. So. <laughs> Vince, I, 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 appreciate, be, no, I appreciate only because when I was trying to find my list, I I typed into my search best '90s soundtrack movies. Vanilla Sky definitely and wasn't. It was not no. no, and so I just was very familiar with a lot of a lot of that. And then I just thinking back to the imagery that was in Vanilla Sky, it was it was just too advanced for a '90s uh, <laughs> visual palette. Listen, I I almost got there. I, I almost just tricked everyone. You were close. It was a 90s movie. And then I got can't get past the fact about it. And I was able to, you know, maybe talk about Vanilla Sky as a soundtrack. But what I will say is I'm also thankful. I, I know, well, Romeo and Juliet was kind of a last minute pick. It was, it was in contention before. It was originally going to be Romeo and Juliet. And for some reason, I was like, oh, Vanilla Sky, which here we are. But I... I'm thankful that it was out now because now I don't have two movies from the same director on this list, which it's the reason why his soundtracks are always good anyways. All right, Alex, let's go to your next pick. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's, it's fine. At, at some no, point we, that, at some point it, that had to happen. Yeah. That was gonna gonna, happen if you're going to take me down, which I was surprised we didn't talk about it before we started recording. So I I'm wanted to say, the moment. I thought you were actually going to do vanilla sky. And I was like planning to call you out. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me that you cut it. So, well, so, okay, good. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, great choice. I, I was originally, I, I got reminded in the middle of this recording, actually, of an, in my opinion, ultimate 90s soundtrack, because I was originally going to go with just the the masterpiece of the theme song for Jurassic Park because of the, the whimsy and the imaginary, just, you can't not hear that and think to yourself, like, something amazing is happening beyond my eyes right now. No, it's like, great. You can't listen to it and not think I'm listening to the same thing over and over throughout and the entire soundtrack. That's that's originally what I was going to get into, but <laughs> as soon I'm, as Vance brought up Love Roller Coaster, my brain exploded and <laughs> reminded me how I could forget about Beavis and Butthead to America. <laughs> Dude, Dude I'm I'm very upset. I forgot about that. This is that is I didn't know that existed. I had this exact thought today because i was like how did i not even consider this but then i was like it's because i don't like the movie that much but the soundtrack is fucking incredible and it, i mean first and foremost you, you didn't know there was a beavis and butthead movie no <laughs> no that's okay you don't need to know that I, listen, no one really truly the needs shirt on the that. head with the cornholio like what? there's listen, so many it's, iconic it's things i'm allowed to make mistakes <laughs> right <enough>. now <laughs> 
I'll, but I'll fix it by July 1st. I mean, that, that sounds right. He was allowed to say they didn't know that there was a Beavis and Butthead movie. The Cornholio thing could have just been from anything they ever did in it's Beavis true. and Butthead. Truth be told, the, the soundtrack itself just kind of encompasses so much of the 90s because on that soundtrack, you have probably one of the biggest rappers, LL Cool J, was on there. Along with that, you have White Zombie, no doubt. You had mentioned the Butthole Surfers before. And all of those, that, especially the White Zombie song, when they're tripping in the desert, it fits so, so well. And to the point where in the movie itself, they kind of create their own version of like Mike Judge meets Rob Zombie in a music video and it's just this crazy trippy thing that me as a child should definitely not have been watching first and foremost because i definitely saw that movie when i was like seven and um my poor dad was just like what what am i doing here but we're we're there being as inappropriate as ever but (laughs) i mean from from the movie itself i mean even the show that back when mtv actually you know the m meant something that show they would showcase it means something now money 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 tv well that's accurate (laughs) monetization that every episode once twice sometimes even three times they would have their own little video showcase where granted they would you know make the little jokes here and there but it was always something that would highlight a band of the 90s and kind of promote their music promote their video and kind of give them another another place for them to be heard because you may not hear them on the radio. You may, you're, you know, like me, maybe your parents aren't listening to that when they're driving you to school, but then you hear a Nirvana song or you hear, you hear Butthole Surfers, you hear White Zombie and you're, you know, sitting there seven years old, like, you know, I was going to go play my soccer game tomorrow, but now I really just want to fucking rock out and kick shit, <laughs> which I mean, would also turn inside with soccer. Really. I'm, a, I'm a rock check. I just want to laugh, like rage <laughs> out. That, that's why because really the whole theme behind everything I chose was just nostalgia and Beavis and Butthead was a huge huge part of the 90s especially as as a child like it, it was like the inappropriate comedy until like South Park came in and both of them were to the point where you would go to school and your friends would be like secretly talking about it but then if the administration heard they would tell you to stop it and a lot of the music in the 90s and late 80s was a lot about just being rebellious I mean there was pretty much the highlight of the Beastie Boys. I know I'm a little farther ahead in the 90s now, but, you know, Fight for Your Right to Party was a huge anthem of rebellion. And when I think of that song, I also think of Beavis and Butthead. I also think of being a, a kid who sneaks out at night and does, you know, stupid shit. So that's why I chose that. I chose that not only for the memories, but because it was such a huge, literal melting pot of different genres and artists from the 90s, just all thrown together to make this beautiful symphony of nonsense that <laughs> pairs with, you know, our favorite dipshit teenagers created by Mike Judge. Beavis and Butthead were teenagers? They were in high school. Yeah. I thought they were grown men. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't just bring up this one scene from Beavis and Butthead that makes me crack up hysterically every single time. And it's just at the end where they're asking, I think it's, which one's the blonde one? Beavis. Okay. It's Beavis. And they ask him like, where's the unit? And he's just like, you want to see my unit? (laughs) (laughs) Every single fucking time I just crack up. It's there's, there's so many genius genius. There there was so many instances. There's so many great one-liners from both the show and the movie itself. And even especially with the movie, just simple because they, they were on their quest to score. All they wanted to do as teenagers was bang. They wanted to go 
and have sex with other high school people. And it, it's just the one scene where he meets the president's daughter. And he's like, hey, I notice you have braces too. And then gets thrown <laughs> out of a window, a window of the White House. He gets thrown out of a White House window for trying to hook up with the president's daughter by commenting on her braces. Was this at the White House by any chance? <laughs> You didn't even know the movie existed. You I have know. no commentary. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm just, that's me trying to have any input <laughs> to a movie I never knew existed. You knew Beavis and Butthead existed though, right? Yes. Okay, good. I knew that they existed. I had no idea that they were high school uh, students. <laughs> yeah, that they had, had a movie. I had no idea that they had their own movie. <laughs> that they went to the White House. Yeah, I had no idea that they went to the White House, got kicked out of a window, <laughs> thrown out of a window even. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, these, for... these, this Butthead and this Beavis, they're really, Living their, a dream. Their level of intelligence. It's it's just like why I said the names backwards. <laughs> it's yeah, such, it doesn't really matter, man. Not following the societal norms. It's such insane humor because I don't know who thought like to write it and just thought it was the best thing ever, but it really was. Like there's Beavis is talking to like a grandma in a bus, and it's like the Hoover Dam. Is it a goddamn? <laughs> That's the whole joke. Hey man, like, it's simple. Again, it's, it's simple and effective. Genius. Yeah. Mike Judge is a fucking genius. Like oh, Mike Judge is a genius. No, there's no doubt about that. Office yeah. space. I mean, That's it. Yeah. And even, I mean, as, as I grew up, especially now, I, I appreciated King of the Hill so much more because I, I became Hank Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I became Hank Hill. Everything bothers me. I just, I just want to be left alone to what I like. And that's it. Yep. That is you. And Speaking then, of Mike Judge, is Office Space a 90s movie? It has I to thought be. it was. It has to be. Because that soundtrack... Office Do we know? We should probably check this because or, I fell into that. I want to say if it's not in the 90s, it was like 2002. No, it's I, early 2000s or late 90s. I, I want to say like it's 98. 99. I feel like it's Oh, 90. shit. 99. 99. Just made it. Feeling fine. But the scene where they're playing Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster and then they're beating the shit out of the printer. Oh, it'll... It's, that, that scene will never die. <laughs> oh, no, that's that iconic. Never that, is, die. that is iconic. That is, like, one of the, the most... I feel like one of the most important scenes in, in movie... In film history. Ever, anybody who's ever had literally any job ever saw that scene and was like, I would love <laughs> to do that immediately. Except yeah. it would just be to an email inbox, but, like, I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> It'd be a laptop at this point. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go to my. No, 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 no. An iPad. Choice. Oh, an iPad. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> I'm going to go to my first choice and I am going to talk about The Wedding Singer. Mm. So I talked about earlier how, you know, I like when a soundtrack puts you in a time and place and The Wedding Singer puts you directly into the 80s. And it not only puts you into the 80s, but it puts you into 80s New Jersey because they're only listening to shitty pop songs. Yep. <laughs> I, had to take, I had to take a shot at New Jersey because That's I'm fine. not from here and you guys are. We know we're shit. I don't even know if that's even There's nothing New Jerseyans are not completely self-aware of. Except <laughs> and also, speed, speed here's the other thing, Corey. Like, Corey, where are you right now? I live in New Jersey, but I'm not yeah, from living, here. No, no, you're currently in New Jersey. Where I'm from New York. I feel like I'm the only Upstate one able to do this sort of thing right now. And you're from the same area? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went to the same high school, all that shit. So now when you say, when somebody asks you that you've never met and they ask, where are you from? Do you say upstate New York or do you say in New York? I say upstate New York. I got to say upstate because there's so many assholes from New York City. You're like, no, we're in New York. And you're like, yeah. Fucking no, there's an entire state, you asshole. No, because it, God forbid you ever meet anybody who's from Staten Island. Where are you from? New York City. 
All right, but the the wedding singer. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, right. Movies. <laughs> after I took my quick shot at New Jersey, but the wedding singer. I mean, there's a couple things that I think it does so perfectly. The first is it uses pop songs really well. There's a wedding montage in the movie where you know uh, Robbie Hart, played by Adam Sandler, is kind of helping plan Drew Barrymore's wedding. And what is playing? But you make my dreams come true by Hall and Oates. If there's not a more iconic '80s song, then I don't really know what you want. And one of and and one of the most iconic, you know, Hall and Oates songs. I think oh, the I, most iconic, probably. I mean, oh. it's it's well, Rich Girls up there, right? Yeah, Rich Girls up there. I think yeah. your kiss, your kiss is on my lips. Or yeah. list, list. Your kiss. <laughs> um, that's that's another great intro. Where as soon as you hear like that, those first few notes, everyone's yep. there's there's a few songs that just they grab your attention yeah and then i mean the other big part is adam sandler is like a really good musical performer and they really utilize it in this movie so like there's a couple parts that i really love like when he performed love stinks at the wedding after linda leaves him at the altar so he's all heartbroken and he's at a wedding performing love stinks and making fun of a bunch of people who will never fall in love with the wedding really funny I really I don't like making fun of them. I think he wanted them to join in with him. They were, well, they were, they were one on that issue. Well, yes, but he also says like, can we get the fat guy some cake because he's going to keel over if he doesn't get cake now. So like rude, but that's the only time he really makes <laughs> fun of anyone, but then they become, they become, they join also, his brothers in this war on love. He also calls everybody at table nine, a creature. So like he's making fun of them. <laughs> This is how people from New Jersey talk to each other. Like, have you never seen that? That's that's true. The reason I chose this comes down to pretty much one thing and one thing only. And that is the original song that Adam Sandler wrote for this movie called Somebody Kill Me. And he performs it at a wedding audition. And the way they introduce it, he says at the beginning, I have to warn you, I've been listening to The Cure a lot. And that is fucking amazing. And then he goes into this song. One of the lines is, but it all was bullshit. It was a goddamn joke. And what I think of you, Linda, I hope you fucking choke. Yeah. This is what he's performing in front of Drew Barrymore. And then it shows up and John Lovitz is is in the back. crying hysterically because it's so good. She's like. Just mesmerized. Well, that's the thing is like before that, it's a very sweet song uh-huh. because he's like, well, I wrote half of it when I was still with Linda. And then I wrote the other half when we broke up. So it's a little uneven. And then when it flips there, she's just like, Oh, this is what's happening. Gotcha. And then there's a thing at the end where John Lovitz is just in the background and he's like, he's losing his goddamn mind <laughs> and I'm reaping all the benefits. And then he like slinks off stage behind the curtain in classic John Lovitz <laughs> yeah, exactly. fashion. <laughs> exactly. And it's so fucking funny. So that, that scene is really just down to why I chose this because they're performing an original song for the movie. It's so funny. All the visual gags during it, the introduction and the like outro with John Lovitz. It's just one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. How do you guys feel about the wedding singer? Sorry, I've been talking for a very well, long no, time. Well, no, Corey, actually, what was what was it between? It was the wedding singer and what else? Dazed and confused. Oh. So I, I and 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 to be upfront then. I he he told me to pick which one, and I said the wedding singer simply because of this song. Somebody kill me, so bear I mean, that. Good choice. Wedding is still. I good, mean, good song. Th- yeah. that was that was like the height of musical Adam Sandler too, and his his voice for that particular song, 
is so perfect. We had not only his voice, but his musical ability and also his acting capabilities, putting it all together. You can really just, you can feel just the pure angst and misery just coming out of, just coming out of him into that song. And personally, I for like me, actually enjoyed it as a song. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> like, that it, it's awful that it could happen, but it's a good <laughs> song. And personally, what does it for me in that movie is is Billy Idol. Yes. Billy Idol really does it for me on that. Like, especially when he gets on the, the plane microphone, and he has like the excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to do and he just like the real, just like creepy yet like oddly sexual <laughs> message to everyone on the plane. Billy Idol. Yeah. Yes. And it's it's weird specifically for me because a couple of years ago in Texas, I saw him play at ACL. And just seeing him walk on stage, all I could think about was him holding the intercom. <laughs> and I'm just like, Billy, he's either gonna he's either gonna rock my socks off or he's gonna get into my soul with his voice. I thought you were about to tell me that he was actually on your plane and spoke to the intercom and actually gave sort of like the speech that all the stewardess and uh, I, I I would have literally just shoved everyone out of the way to be like, let me fucking tell you what happened. <laughs> That would have happened, and we would have had to retell the story at the eulogy because Alex would have died right then and there. <laughs> Honestly, the song that he does at the end, where he sings "I Want to Grow Old with You" to Drew Barrymore, like that is a very sweet romantic song. Oh, yeah. Like honestly, a little bit of butterflies. Like it's... my wife and I were watching it. We're like, you know what? I want to grow old with you, and like we just got super cute for a minute. And the wedding singer does that too. So it it, it does everything. It's got the comedy. It's got the time and place with the 80s. It's got the nice, sweet romanticism. So honestly, I think that soundtrack is just perfect. It's, it's a great emotional 180 going, yeah. going from somebody kill me to grow old with you. It's a, it's a great turnaround yeah. for, for everybody. I mean, they're great originals from Adam Sandler. And then you've got New Order on there as well. How, Culture, you know, Club. How Culture Club. I mean, there's the whole, the whole, I mean, well, there's two soundtracks. There's like, there, which I didn't realize at first, actually, too, which was kind of funny to me. But it's yeah, they, it's a double album that they made of it. And I get it. It works out. All right, Vince, let's go to your next one. What do you got? Okay. Uh, so my next movie pick is The Craft, which is a very good 90s witch movie. Very fun uh, breakout role for Nev Campbell before she really broke through on Scream. But um, I think it just has like good music from start to finish. It's not like the most upbeat music. It's a little bit more somber because of the the storytelling that it does do. But there's one song in particular where um, this girl, the new girl, moves to town, and the three witches like kind of scope her out and feel her energy and, and seek that she's a witch. So there's a song called "Well, the uh, new girl's the only real witch." Yeah, right, right. So they can feel her power. Yeah. Um, so the song How Soon Is Now by Love Spit Love Starts Playing, which is, it's funny just because it's used in that movie and then a couple years later it's used in another witch TV show. So it's just like this, the lyrics of the song, I am the sun, I am the air, I am the moon. It's, you know, the, you're the elements, you're the earth. It, it just kind of coincides with like the witch aspect. Um, and it's just a song that I enjoy listening to. I mean, How Soon Is Now is originally a Smith song and the Smith song is in The Wedding Singer too. Oh, Dude, it's a huge I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a, one uh, of my favorite Smith songs as well. Too. Here on this podcast, I've never actually seen The Wedding Singer, so I'm oh, so man. sorry that I was so quiet during that. But I, I, I can't comment. Much I mean, love to Adam, Sandler, peace and love to Adam Sandler and, and Drew Barrymore. 
<laughs> but you said that I had no idea that was in there. So, so sorry. Adam, <laughs> Adam Sandler is going to come here and school you in basketball now. Adam Sandler can do whatever he wants as long as he pays me for it. I'm pretty sure Adam Sandler does do whatever he wants. Like, have but you? He doesn't pay me for it. it. Yeah, no, he doesn't. They pay him. We all pay him for <laughs> yeah. it. Actually. Adam Sandler's career now is just he gets paid to make movies with his friends and family in exotic locations. And Absolutely. I love him for it. That's the career I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care if all the movies are bad, but sorry, Vince, <laughs> back to the craft. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back to the craft. Um, and I mean, there's just, there's a couple good, I mean, I wouldn't want, I don't want to say good just because like the, the one scene that I'm referencing is there's a scene where a love spell kind of turns turns out to go nasty and wrong. And it ends with her kind of getting a little bit provoked by somebody. And um, the song Glory Box by Portishead starts playing. And it's, it's just a very somber song, but it is very telling to the moment of what just happened and her going through this experience and, and kind of the emotion behind it. I really like The Craft. I think it's a really good hangout movie. Like, it is. oddly. There's a scene where all four of the kind of witch girls are hanging out in the bedroom and they're making one of them levitate. Yes. Like that's just a great hangout sleepover thing with like some witchcraft involved. So I really like the craft. I think it's a good movie. What was, what was the thing you do to uh, the light is a feather stiff as a board. Exactly. That's, that's what they're saying as they do it. And then they make her levitate and it's the girl from half baked, which I didn't realize until I was like, I recognize her. What the Uh, hell is she? I forgot what her name is. Something with an F. I always I always butcher the way to say it, but it's Rochelle in the movie, but I forget what her oh, name I'm is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking, of, yeah, Rachel True is Rochelle. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of different actors. Uh, the other one uh-huh. is Faroutza Balk. Yes. And she is in uh, another she one. She was Adam in, Sandler yeah, movie. The Waterboy. Wasn't, wasn't she Vicky Valancourt? She yeah. was Vicky Valancourt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It all comes full circle. In in the Waterboy, there's the. <laughs> She's also kind of a witch. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the whole, when, he's, when Bobby Boucher is taking the test and she doesn't want me to kill them. <laughs> It's just so perfect that it coincides. <laughs> oh man, when she's, she she's an underrated up, actor. Like I love her. She's fantastic. She, she unfortunately got typecast, like you said, as like this dark, the like, dark, like weird, creepy chick. Yeah, yeah. She when was weird in America, American History X. Man, she took was. a she took it to a different level. But when she soups up the fucking lawnmower in that and like just everything that's going on when she comes over for dinner and they're eating alligators like everything that's going on with fruits of bulk is just delightful I yeah. love her. <laughs> she showed her vulnerable vulnerable side in that movie too so like you know who, who are we to say that she's just typecasted well she she was i mean <laughs> no i know it, yeah. you just look at her career and that's what tells you <laughs> she always had like the goth yeah. face Everything no, else. That's, that's just her skin tone. She's just very fair. No, but the makeup too. She was and, an outcast. And the jewelry. Sometimes, yeah. That's and fair. the tattoos, all of it, like just typecast. I mean, <laughs> we keep, I keep trying to defend her, but yeah, she was typecasted. But she's great. Sake. I mean, we love her. She did, I, she I, did I, a great I job. I gave it a tattoo. It didn't work out. Maybe, maybe if you listened to my definition of it before, you would have understood that. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just instantly shitting on him. Whatever. <laughs> All right, Beam, let's go to your next one. What do you got? So my next one, I feel like, I mean, for me, in terms of like when I think of 90s music, it just felt like a quintessential one. It was uh, Singles from 1992, written and directed by Cameron Crowe. Now, this one, it didn't, it not only had like the soundtrack on its own, which I think is fantastic. You know, you got Paul Westerberg from uh, The Replacements. 
you know, uh, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, uh, Mother Love Bone, you know, which obviously became, you know, after Andrew Wood died, became Pearl uh, Pearl Jam. But it just the soundtrack separated apart from the movie is great, but it is so it is so much a part of the fabric of this movie, Um, this wonderful 90s rom-com that I would have to say is probably my favorite in terms of rom-coms. Corey, I know, is much more of a fan of rom-coms than myself, but if there's one I'm going to watch, it's probably in this style. I mean, it's also, too, where it features many of the people who play music on the soundtrack. And a lot of this, and I now remember what I was going to say before when I just completely forgot the point I was going to make was a lot of these songs, actually, I feel like the majority of these songs were made predominantly for the movie. Um, They were recorded specifically for the film. And it's always nice to kind of have that. And a lot of the people that played on this album were in the fucking movie too. Like the entire band that supports Matt Dillon in uh, Citizen Dick is members of Pearl Jam. It's Eddie Vedder on drums, Stone Gossard on guitar, and Jeff Met on bass, who, you know, obviously Eddie Vedder sings in Pearl Jam, but the rest of it kind of checks out. The music fits so well with the movie itself. It was just covering the dating scene or just, I guess you would say, single people in Seattle in the 90s. And there's a there's a cool uh, book that, I mean, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. So this obviously checks out for me too, in terms of a movie, but there's a book called Five Against One written by uh, Kim Neely. You know, he had covered Pearl Jam extensively, wrote for Rolling Stone, just a, a music journalist in general. And he wrote this book and he, he covered a section about singles where Cameron Crowe, who wrote and directed, obviously, he... Um, went to a party. It was after Andy Wood's death, who was from Mother Love Bone, which a lot of the the scene kind of actually was sort of, you know, he played a big part in the scene, Andrew Wood. And after he died, or I think it was, you know, after everyone had found out he died, they gathered at the house of Kelly Curtis, who managed a lot of these bands, Pearl Jam included. And Cameron Crowe was there. He was a friend of Kelly Curtis. And he saw just the family that was created by all of these bands. And he it, it inspired the birth of the movie. So he wanted to show that people just aren't always single, that they can have family other than that sort of in a way. And, you know, having everyone, you know, from Steve and 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 I think it's, uh, was it, oh, fuck, it wasn't Janet. I think it is Janet, dude. Is it Janet? Okay. You know, with Janet and, and and Cliff, all of them living in the same building, they were sort of a family. They all supported each other in different ways. And so it just what he wanted to do is perfectly capture the, you know, 90s, basically just community in Seattle. But also he wanted to also, you know, provide a spotlight on the bands and the grunge scene that was the soundtrack to that city in a way. And I think it's it's just perfect in so many ways. You know, you have Allison Chains literally playing the background of, you know, Steve and uh, and Linda meeting, you know, for the first time and noticing each other for the first time. Everything was so intertwined together, the soundtrack and the movie, and I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, I mean, Cameron Crowe, he was a former mu- music journalist, so it makes a lot of sense, but yeah. every one of his soundtracks from Say Anything to Almost Famous, like all of them are nearly perfect. And I actually think this is the best one simply because Dyslexic Heart by Paul Westerberg is one of the greatest songs ever written. Oh, dude, it, like when it goes to the ending credits and there's something about movies where if part of the soundtrack, it ends with just a really great song that gets you feeling good as you're walking out or as you're ending the movie. To end it with Dyslexic Heart, it just, for some reason, gives you that really uplifting feeling. Yeah, I know. That was such a perfect choice for it. 
It really was. I, I fucking love that ending. And I love Paul Westerberg. Their boy placements are probably my favorite band ever. All right, Alex, let's go to your next one. What do you got? So I have a bit of a, a double whammy here because this is going to be more of a quick one for both. And I'm going to jump into both Titanic and a complete change of genre, Reservoir Dogs, specifically for the both of them, because out of both of those movies came two very, very, very popular songs that still to this day resonate like the sun. And starting with Titanic, you have obviously, you know, your French Canadian wonder Celine Dion pumping out, My Heart Will Go On, which... I mean, there's I, not I a person alive that doesn't know that song. Like anyone who currently exists, yeah. baby, fucking infants that were just born yesterday. They know this song. I, I don't know if, I don't know if either of you have ever been to a, a place called a bar, but if that song comes <laughs> on, you know that every single, even mildly intoxicated person in that bar is going to just hands to their chest. Like it's the song. And they're going to belt it out as terribly and loudly as they can. Yo, actually, I don't know if it happens in New York. <laughs> we, do live in, we do live in the armpit of the country, so it does happen here. I mean, the sheer number of movies that just rip off the Kate and Leo on the front of the boat scenes oh, yeah. at this point, like, they're shows that are made for people that weren't born when the movie came out, but yet mm. they still reference it. Like, I'm pretty sure it was in HBO's generation where they kind of copied it. And it's like, this is a show about Gen Z and they weren't alive when Titanic came out, but like the song just lives on. The song, like the moment on the boat, it's one of those like iconic pop culture moments that lives on through many different like iterations. Exactly. And let's, let's not forget the still ever living controversy of the door. (laughs) Oh, fuck the door, man. <laughs> I'm so tired. You know what? This has man. nothing to do with Celine Dion. I'm ignoring it. <laughs> you were talking about going the doors? Is it the band? No, the, the door. The, the door. The door. I know, but like, they, they don't want to talk about He doesn't want to talk about the doors. So I'm, like, I'm making a joke. Like, the doors? You know, like the band? I don't want to talk about the doors either. Because, <laughs> you know, music in movies. Now, not right. Doors. Yeah, totally. We're not talking totally. about music. Now, uh, along with that, as well is uh to to you know close the door if you would um <laughs> is if you go forward to reservoir dogs another cla- uh, well not another but just a classic tarantino film with possibly one of the most grotesque just scenes in existence in my opinion especially with such an upbeat song in the background you have you have this man dancing around you with a canister of gasoline and pouring it on you to the beat of stuck in the middle with you, which you hear it on a car ride in the mall, in the grocery store. And you think like, oh, okay, this is, you know, just some song. It's fun. It's got a nice little rhythm to it. It's, it's happy. And then you turn the TV on and it's a man who's about to be cut on, uh, about to be lit on fire while he's tied to a chair. If I'm not mistaken, I believe his ear got cut off too. If anybody could. Oh yeah. His <laughs> ear, his so ear got cut off. Ironic. And then, and then Michael Madsen, speaks into it and he says uh, can you hear me yeah which is by the way Verizon commercial can you hear it me? is one of my <laughs> i mean that's one of my favorite scenes really in any movie it's it's it is you you for some reason it like i mean especially if you've seen reservoir dogs even if you haven't i feel like that is a scene that everyone remembers 
is stuck in the middle with you and Michael Madsen just dancing around, cutting the man's ear off. Um, which again is ironic because great song and he can't hear it now. No, yeah, nothing. Okay. <laughs> no, but like what's incredible about it, and Tarantino does this a lot, but like he basically repurposes a song mm-hmm. where the song is no longer remembered for what it originally was, it's now remembered for the scene. And mm-hmm. you know, anyone who hears stuck in the middle only and has seen Reservoir Dogs now thinks of Reservoir Dogs in this grotesque scene. So like he's my completely ear shifted yeah. it. No, I said my my left ear starts hurting. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but For that's sure. exactly why I chose it is because it's it's one of those trigger memories where you hear that chorus and then you see the man that you see him dancing around with the gas canister just slowly like falling along and little drops here and there, here and there, ear gets cut off. And then just it's as if he's planting a garden and doing literally anything casual, walking down the street. But no, he's torturing and murdering a person. Yep. And yeah. And that's, that's and, just a regular day to end <laughs> It is. That's Mr. Blonde's yeah. fucking Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. That that is exactly how that's that, why he's singing stuck in the middle. <laughs> he he's tearing up the dance floor of that song as he's killing somebody. It's just it's a very multifaceted role. He was just dancing call that talent it is talent because <laughs> he kept the rhythm alive and then he also murdered somebody at the same yeah. time that's multitasking he'd be great in new jersey <laughs> <laughs> i know he knows that well we don't pump our gas in new jersey so no, we don't he need would, he would pump on <laughs> oh he's gonna work it for you he's, he's lighting you on fire he's providing the gas for it blowing yeah. up your he's car. a tree he's a tree he's a tree he's helping jersey. us reenact the zoolander scene from the gas <laughs> station oh god yeah so Corey. What do you have as your next pick? So my next pick is Rushmore, the 1998 film from Wes Anderson. Uh, I want to start off. How do you guys feel about Wes Anderson movies? I've only seen a handful. And I mean, I like them. I was a huge fan of the uh, Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest Hotel. I love that movie. But otherwise, like, it's always been very, like, quirky and odd, but also very visually pleasing. Yeah, you kind of nailed Wes Anderson on the head. (laughs) I'm sure I've seen Wes Anderson movies. I just wouldn't be able to tell you one of them by name. The Royal Tenenbaums? Okay, I did see that. All right. Uh, Beam, I know you're a huge fan of Wes Anderson. Darjeeling Limited is one of my favorite movies. I think that's that's a fantastic film. The sound. I mean, here's the other thing, too, is that... So you picked Rushmore, obviously. All of his soundtracks are just so befitting of what a Wes Anderson movie is. And uh, that's why I love this pick because this is, it's so fitting for what is going on in this movie. Cause a lot of it is just uh, the original score itself of what you hear in the movie too. So like that uh, Grand Budapest is fantastic. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums is great. And then what is it? The uh, submarine movie. Why am I forgetting the name of it? Life Aquatic with Steve Zizzo. Life Aquatic, dude. I mean, he puts out bangers as, as the kids would say. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. His And the reason I picked it and I knew I wanted a Wes Anderson movie is because his soundtracks are so perfect. And I like how he uses pop music in two ways. One, he uses them for montages. So you've seen Royal Tenenbaums. There's this iconic scene where Gene Hackman is taking it out and chopping it up with his grandchildren. And the song that plays during this montage is Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard by Paul Simon. An absolutely iconic song and it's perfect in the movie it's an absolutely incredible scene he also uses it in emotionally cathartic moments 
So in Royal Tenenbaums, he introduces Margot Tenenbaum by using These Days by Nico. And then during the Richie Tenenbaum suicide scene, he uses Needle in the Hay by Elliot Smith, which is very uh, poetic and dark, but well. still, um, you know, kind of works perfectly in the movie. Um, but for Rushmore, there are two scenes. One is when the, he introduces Max's character. Max's character is a terrible student, but very active in extracurricular activities. And they introduce this character by using a montage. And the song that plays is called Making Time by the Creation. And I love that. And then the closing scene of this movie, he's had a relationship or tried to have a relationship with Miss Cross, a teacher at his school who is much, much older than him. In the finale of the movie, they finally kind of have their emotionally cathartic moment where they just agree to brief friends and they dance together. And he uses an actual needle drop, puts the record on, and Ooh La La by the Faces plays over the credits of the movie. And it kind of plays out with this slow motion thing. And there's never been a more joyful ending to a movie. And I think Ooh La La by the Faces is one of the five greatest songs ever written. So I had to pick a Wes Anderson movie. And, you know, like I said at the beginning, when I choose a soundtrack, I have to have a scene in mind. And that Ooh La La closing scene is, lives in my brain forever. It's one of the most joyful movie moments I've ever seen. I love it very, very much. The soundtrack is just, and like I said, a lot of it is sort of the original score itself, but it does use some really good pop recordings as well. I'm trying to fucking look up the name for it. Uh, a quick one while he's away by the who like That's that is another the, montage scene with the revenge yeah. with Bill Murray and uh, Jason Schwartzman going back and forth playing pranks on one another. Yeah. It's another and, great montage. And just think of too the title, a quick one while he's away, where it's just like the both of them separate and apart from each other, trying to go after the teacher too. It's just, it's, it's, it's so good, but it's also just such a very bizarre and as we said before, quirky song that just fits the Wes Anderson movie as well. One thing I kind of wanted to bring up though. <clears throat> so obviously it's a 15 year old who is very much interested at a teacher who teaches there. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And this is part of, I think, the way that it was written, probably directed, kind of seemed like she was almost into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that was part, like, when I'm trying to watch this movie and listen, like, love the soundtrack, but I'm watching the movie and I'm like, she thought about it. She did, but she's grieving her husband who died. So, like, she's not totally in her right mind. I'm not trying to defend it, but, you know. Like, you just tried to. No, I'm just saying there's a reason. It's not the defense. It's the, it's the, the action of, like, <laughs> grieving and wanting someone to be there for you and like any little bit of attention of someone who is interested in you you kind of zero in on that it's, and that it's a very real thing that happens it's the availability oh, for comfort. yeah that's fair it was just the 50 year old part and 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 that's a fair yeah, just being 15, 15 that's really oh, that's like, a deal breaker whoa that's a little weird sort of just the whole plot line of it is very it's uncomfortable i mean any anything that involves a teenager and an adult in any sort of love interest is immediately just like, I'm not happy with this. Let's move along from it, please. <laughs> I mean, in The Wedding Singer, there's a scene where Adam Sandler puts a 12-year-old girl's hands on his butt. The 90s were a very different time. You can do those things in movies. Yeah, we didn't dwell on it, though. Movie. This whole movie dwelled on that whole point of it where it's just, you know... I was, well, yeah, I was, it's what the movie's about. That's kind of my point. <laughs> No, but that's kind of my point. <laughs> Do you mean the story? The story. You're just, just talking you about like the story movie itself. You just don't like the plot. Yeah, it weirds me out. It's really weird. We are down to the last one. Alex, we pick the last think. movie. 
Do you guys have one? Yeah, you pick your last movie. Whatever you want to do, we'll talk about. Oh, we're, we're, this is the, the collab pick? Sure. Well, I'm sure you would this agree. This is the you pick that I can just make funny commentary about. Uh, Vince, well, you, you're going to have to agree with this one. Yeah, there's no, there's, I don't. I reserve please? the right. I reserve <laughs> the right to not like his movie choice, but still sit here and dissect it. Well, I'm going to tell you you're wrong, first and foremost. But, but please, my movie I, I choice, would like to see it. My movie choice for my final 90s pick is the Shazam. one, the only. <laughs> Shazam would have been a great one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't that movie come out in like 2019? No, no, no. no. You're thinking of Shazam, oh, the superhero movie. We're talking about Shazam oh, with Shaq. No, no, you're thinking Kazam. 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 Sorry, Kazam. Kazam. Ah. You guys got the reference, though. You understood what I was going for. <laughs> no, I understood it. Totally. I, I knew you were going for the Shaq attack. But what I was going to get into is the what would have been the one and only, but now LeBron James is coming into it LeBron Space Jam. <laughs> the Space Jam. Michael Jordan, Bill Murray, I'm losing his name, but the guy who plays Newman in Seinfeld, and then also one of my all-time favorites, Danny DeVito as the villain. Larry Bird's in that movie. Can't forget about Larry Legend. Larry Bird. uh, There's a lot of NBA stars in this movie. Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy Bogues. um, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, Larry Jones. All lost their powers. All lost. Wow, they got really good basketball players for a movie about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Big facts. Now, you know what? Sorry to point out the obvious. <laughs> it's called casting. Now, Alex <laughs> likes to call it type casting. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, is Seal. Seal is my honorable mention for this because not only was he a huge portion of some of the best songs on the soundtrack for Space Jam, but also in the 90s, he, on a not-so-great movie, he was also a big part of, um, was it Batman Forever or Batman and Robin? It was Batman, Batman Forever, Forever with Kiss like or Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose. Because Kiss that was the one Rose. with Poison Ivy. No, Batman and Robin is the one with Poison Ivy. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Batman and Robin. No, Batman th- Forever is... Uh... Two-Face and Joker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh no! Trust me, not Joker. Is, is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman as Poison the Ivy? Joker or the Riddler? The Riddler. The Riddler. Jim Riddler. Carrey. Oh, the Riddler. Riddler. Sorry, yeah. my apologies. Too many fucking Batman movies. <laughs> Way too many. <laughs> but also, a, a small homage to Batman and Robin too is, for whatever reason, the costume designers wanted to put nipples on those <laughs> on those suits. Gay so George Clooney in a nipple suit. <laughs> running slowly with seal kiss from a rose in the background everybody in existence ever eat your heart out <laughs> now going into space jam you have like going back to just 90s hip-hop to the t of l cool j you have coolio you have mm. buster rhymes with the the monsters anthem which we were talking Damn about high, baby oh, oh don't forget about be real from cypress hill oh absolutely Fucking delight but literally if if it was somebody who was popular in the 90s in the hip-hop r&b scene they were there Though we're not going to do Angelo's on here too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Uh, Biz Marquis, we're not going to dwell on it too much. But R. Kelly was there, but, you know, we're not going to talk about him. And he did a lot of, don't I, shake your hands I, at I, me. <laughs> he did a lot of like, bad. I like that you have to announce that we aren't going to talk about him. Like, as if the world doesn't know we're not going to talk about it. Do you know what basketball Jones are? No. Then shut up. But it had R.I.P. Barry White and Chris Rock. Dude. It's just. From start to finish, not only was it just a fantastic movie with all sorts of great little cameos from all sorts of actors and NBA players, but just the soundtrack behind it was just absolutely incredible to the point where I actually might download it on Spotify. 
I, I totally did because I when I was this was one of the ones I was in contention for myself. But when I did, I did see one of you, and, and obviously now I know it was Alex chose uh, the Space Jam soundtrack. This is the soundtrack for me. This and Flubber, but um, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> oh um, my goodness! Fucking me. Listen, it's the it's how I found about uh, KC and the Sun Sunshine Band. So don't worry about it, but. I mean, Quad City DJs, like uh, this, just the Space Jam theme song, which is fantastic on its own. And then Basketball Jones. I think of that, the Quad City DJ song and Hit Em High, uh, the Monstars theme song. But Basketball Jones, that's another one that is always a standout for me. This is a I, fucking I, great pick. This is a fucking fantastic 90s. I'd say Basketball, Basketball Jones was like that movie's song. Basketball, like it. When I think Not of that, Fly Like an Eagle, no. Uh, though though, Fly Like an Eagle is a great song for that movie. Basketball Jones really just does it for me for that movie. Fly Like an Eagle's for the rest of everyone else. They can take that. This is that is the song. Basketball Jones. I agree with you, Alex. I mean, I love the scene that Basketball Jones is playing. Like it's when all the NBA stars have lost their power and they're like trying to figure out what's going on with themselves and their lives. Charles Barkley like, is playing basketball with like teenage girls and they block his shot. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's great. Really great he, stuff. He's just getting verbally abused by <laughs> children. And he's just like, man, you're not oh. Charles Barkley. <laughs> and then don't, don't they have like a, uh, almost like an AA style meeting with all the players. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't know how to play anymore. <laughs> Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah they, they try and make a sexual innuendo. Like, I don't know how to, like, it was something where like someone like, I can't perform anymore. Like, what do you mean? And it's, just, it's something like that where it's like, yeah. I can't yeah, perform. It's when, Patrick Ewing, it's when Patrick Ewing's talking to right. like the therapist guy and trying to figure it out. And they make a sexual joke about Patrick Ewing, which but is very funny. Part, part of me is genuinely upset that there's a part two coming out, honestly. Oh, I, I, I'm so excited. I, I am excited, I'm but I'm also excited. like, damn. I'm excited because Dame Lillard, my fucking favorite player ever, is going to be in it. And oh, that's really? just what I want. <laughs> Give me more Damian Lillard in fucking movies. Are they going to steal his powers, though? They're, I, I don't know how they're setting up this movie. I feel like it's not going to be the same setup. He's going to steal everyone else's powers. What? <laughs> just to, oh, yeah, to, to, close, to close my pick out, I chose that as also a full circle moment because Space Jam came out at pretty much like mid nineties, right? Like 96, I think. 96. Yeah. 96. And that again is just going into not only the theater, but then once it's released on your VHS, you go into your easy video and you get your space jam copy. You get some bunch of crunch. That's definitely overpriced because you're at a video store, not a supermarket or anything. What the hell is bunch of crunch? Are you joking? Do you know what what a crunch bar is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, is it just a fucking crunch bar? It's just yeah, it's crunch, crunch, crunch bar. bar. It's it's basically like crunch bar nuggets. Yeah, like a whopper, but crunch. No, bar. dude, they're just yeah, like little kind of yeah, like little little poppable crunch bars. Bar. Well, no, what you do is you take the bunch of crunch. And no, you, put you do it, not put it in the popcorn. Don't you dare bring that up. And then you put it in the fucking popcorn, Vince, uh. <laughs> and you make sweet love to it with your hands and then your mouth. No, thank you. No, no, dude, Vince, I know exactly what you're okay. talking about. I'm on board. No, absolutely, show it to Corey. I don't wow. think I've ever seen that. I worked, I've I worked at a Hollywood video. I know what this is about. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, genius. It was genius. <laughs> it was genius. Absolutely. Not I'm right. not denying that. No, no one's no. denying that a bunch of crunch is lit. Listen, yeah. if I can finally like throw it into my hand as like a cup full of popcorn, sorry, 
and just throw it into my mouth, I'm about it. Yeah, or it's with the, with the box that he showed you in the picture. If you can, you could be in the car, and yeah, you can just chug it. Yes, you, no, yeah, just, just chug, your chug it. Yeah. <laughs> just chug, not butt chug. Wait, could you, no, you can't butt chug it. Okay, no. I was about to say that. I'm sorry. Chocolate, it does. Yeah, you, it, it'll melt. Never, never. <laughs> say, I know you really don't know what's coming out. <laughs> never say never. So yeah, uh, I'll end. I'll end my pick with never say never, and you can all think about that. <laughs> you can think about butt chugging candy. All right, yeah. Beam. What is our last pick, sir? I don't know. I'm stuck on butt chugging for some reason. Um, Me too. Right. <laughs> butt chug crunch. Oh, butt chug crunch. That's funny. Butt chug crunch. That sounds like an imperial pastry sound if I've ever heard one. Our last pick, our joint pick. I feel like it actually kind of goes against Corey with both and you, both you and I are sort of looking for in a movie oh, soundtrack. Uh but it's the Godzilla soundtrack from 1998. I was so curious yeah. why that was one of the movie picks. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> was that the Matthew so, Broderick one? Yeah. It is the Matthew Broderick one. Listen, my, the movie my is- English teacher was in that movie in high school. <laughs> wait, <laughs> what? My high school English teacher was in that movie. Oh my god. He was what? an extra as a he was a taxi driver, I think. He was also he was also in the Get Rich or Die Trying movie. With Fitty? Yeah. Wow. Mr. Terrell. Oh, I mean, oh, all of those yeah. interesting tidbits aside, I mean, in terms of this soundtrack, though, which is barely audible in the movie itself, it's literally like background music for a couple of scenes, it feels like. It, it has a lot of different music on there that I fucking love. Like, it's got uh, No Shelter by Rage Against the Machine. It's got the Wallflowers on there, Heroes, uh, the co- you know, the David Bowie cover. It's got a bunch of great 90s tracks on there that I fucking love. Jamiroquois on there, which is in a scene in the movie, but that song by Jamiroquois, I think it's Digital Underground, is 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 phenomenal. Separate apart from the movie, the soundtrack is phenomenal. Dude, I think it's Jamiroquois. <laughs> Jamiroquois? That's okay. here nor there. Keep I don't going. know. Seriously, did we not all say Jamiroquois for the longest time? I always thought it was Jamiroquai. I always said Jamiroquai. I never said anything. <laughs> I mean, if that's the hill we want to all die on, that's fine. But sure. Anyways, Jamiroquai, continue on, Corey. You were talking. I was just... <laughs> Tell us about Godzilla. I mean, for me, you're right. It, it violates all the rules because there's really not a scene in the movie that really uses any of the music. But there are two tracks on there that were repurposed specifically for Godzilla. One is they repurposed Led Zeppelin's Cashmere and put Diddy over it in a song called Come With Me. Um, and <laughs> this one was still a Puff fucking Daddy. third song. <laughs> it's so absurd. And then the other one is they did Green Day Brain Stew, which is the one that's just like, dun-dun, dun-dun. And then they just put Godzilla screams in it for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> No, Except there's reason. It's and then you're just like it's just <laughs> that throughout, and it's phenomenal. It works perfectly. Yeah, and but I mean, the reason that this was a pick, despite it violating all the rules, is like this is the first movie soundtrack I bought on CD. You know, it came out in like '98, and I was 11 or 10 years old. I went to go see this movie in the theater. I thought it was the coolest fucking thing ever. And, you know, it's a bad movie, but I still love it and it still resonates with me. And, you know, I bought that soundtrack like 
when I was 10 years old and I listened to it constantly. I was obsessed with the Wallflowers. I was obsessed with Rage Against the Machine. I was obsessed with Green Day. So like it had all these great artists that I just didn't care if it was in the movie or not. And so, you know, this was just our complete nostalgia pick, or at least for me, I was like, yeah, I, I bought this album when I was a kid. Let's throw it on there. I mean, yeah, you got Food Fighters around here with the A320, like, which is, I don't think that was on any of their albums. And a lot of them too, I, you know, you will say too, is I, I think a lot of them were written for the movie specifically, which I don't know if that was kind of a thing for the 90s. I feel like a lot of 90s movies, it was songs that were written specifically for the movie. I don't think you see that as often nowadays. I could be wrong and willing to be completely corrected on that. But and Justin Timberlake wrote the song for Trolls. Well, what I'm saying is like single songs. These are multiple. These are multiple artists like writing a song for a movie. Yes, you know. Also, wasn't there a Adele did Skyfall? Skyfall for yeah, the George Skyfall Bond movie. Yeah, but that's a thing. Like everyone getting the Bond theme song. Like Billie yeah. Eilish got it too. You know, I do wish that the songs were used more throughout the movie, but. I mean, the movie's trash either way. That's the other thing that I think that needs to be made. The movie is complete and total trash. Matthew Broderick, um, you know, he, he he does an apple job. I feel like he does an okay job. He's he he, he accomplishes what he needs to. Uh, who is the the female lead in this? I'm sorry. Her name's like Maria Polito, and she's never been in anything else because she's the ingenue who <laughs> fucked her career up by being in a horrible Godzilla movie. Yeah, I mean, the only good part of this movie, like the movie itself, is Gene Reno, uh, the yeah. French man who's in, like, The Professional. And right. Is in well, Hank Azaria is pretty good in it. I thought he was all right. Oh, yeah, as Victor the uh, Victor the Animal something. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. He's the, the guy animal. that basically is the, is the videographer for the news stations and the major news stations. The man's out there risking his life for his job to get that footage. He's getting that content for you. I mean, it's but, a terrible uh, movie, but I still love it. I don't care one bit how bad it is. Like, I, don't I watched hate it, it the other day, and I, I enjoyed it. Let's be completely honest, though. It's the worst Godzilla. Like, the, oh, the worst, terrible. like, actually, like, visible, like, you know, uh, whatever creation of a Godzilla you come up with. It's... It, it it just it it looks like a shitty Tyrannosaurus Rex. What was it? It looks like... It's it's awful. This was this was the first attempt at, like, a, a new new age remake, right? Was I believe Godzilla? so. With Godzilla, of, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, think there was a Godzilla in the eighties. No, when did in, the, in terms of like a modern take on it, where it comes I mean, the to original the, Japanese ones came out in like the fifties and sixties. Yeah, there there may have been like an Americanized version in the eighties. Oh. Oh, there's a movie called Godzilla nineteen eighty five. It's a Japanese one. Uh, Still counts. It has a thirty one on Metacritic. I don't think I'm going to be visiting it anytime soon. <laughs> but we'll, we'll visit this one any other day, I guess. I don't know. It's the worst I thought take on Godzilla that I have seen, but the soundtrack for it is phenomenal, even though it's barely ever in the movie. When, when you were talking about movies that are, or I'm sorry, music that was written specifically for movies, all I could ever think about in that instance is specifically Kenny Loggins, because I, I feel like the, I know like Loggins. I hear you. I know like, that's the eighties, but I hear you. Yeah. Well, just it's, it's, that's all I can think of is because his, his biggest, in my opinion, his like everything anyone's ever known Kenny Loggins for, even before like Loggins and Messina was a thing, is everything he only ever did for movies. Anything- Danger Zone from Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. I was know, thinking strictly Danger Zone for top from Top Gun. Danger Zone, Footloose, uh, I'm All Right oh. from Caddyshack. Oh yeah, there's another one. 
that I can't think of. It was in a boxing movie, and I don't know if it was Rocky. But you, you get what I'm getting. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that concludes our... <laughs> it does? Yeah. Oh. So that concludes our top five uh, soundtracks. Really quick before we go, uh, Vince, hit us with a couple of your honorable mentions. What do you got? Okay, honorable mentions, Spice Worlds. Great, <laughs> great, great movie. Bill's so upset with you, Vince, that this wasn't... I'm movie. so sorry. I, if I had more time to like sit there and dissect the movie instead of just being gay about it, I would have actually done it. I just didn't have enough time just, like, to actually give it a thorough watch through. But, I mean... It's a Spice Girls, bitch. <laughs> it's a Spice Girls. Can't go wrong with that. The movie was written before the soundtrack that came out after it. So the the music that they released, their album Spice World, is based and inspired by the movie they made. So super cool. And then uh, Josie and the Pussycats, not a 90s movie, but same kind of gist as... Oh my God, I just said the name of this movie. Spice World. Spice World. Wow, my brain <laughs> wow. is dying but same just where it's like you know the, mu- the the music is in the movie and it's about the album the album by itself standalone i listen to all the time from joe's like if this was a 2000s top five list that would have been the only movie i talked about <laughs> i i can you can vouch for me i can vouch i've i've seen that gym playlist you sure have there's only two songs for joe's in the post that's on the gym playlist calm down two is more than most people would even talk about <laughs> first of all how dare you Second of all, it's wonderful, wonderful music. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm oh, just saying not. So if my honorable mention is so out there, what's yours? Besides I said, Seal. I said mine already. Give a different one. And you can't put me so, on a spot like that. I know. Rick Moranis. Shark Great guy. guy. <laughs> what? You put me on the spot and that's what you get. Rick Moranis. You get Rick Moranis. Thank you for nothing. Beam, any uh, honorable mentions that you want to shout real quick? So obviously I, I, I had had one, <clears throat> the one I suggested was Vanilla Sky, which clearly is not <laughs> in it, but am I wrong to say that the Lion King should not be, it, it's kind of weird that we haven't even mentioned that as an honorable mention. I feel like that should be one too. Circle of Life with Elton John, like that is an iconic song. You're going to tell me that we don't all remember that. Like that is that is one I think that should at least give a bit of a mention because I know Corey, you and I are sort of similar on one, and I don't know if it's a part of your honorable mention um, that you and I kind of back went back and forth with. So I feel like I want to at least give a little bit of a spotlight to the soundtrack for Lion King because I felt like that one was fairly iconic. Aladdin too, Magic Carpet Ride, yeah, all those nope. '90s Disney True. movies, great. Yeah, I didn't absolutely. even think about doing any '90s Disney related movies. Yeah, I felt like that was My just too easy. Did not it is. A, it is a little bit too that. easy. Too easy. And it is easy, but like Circle of Life is pretty ubiquitous, right? I also think we're forgetting the Tarzan soundtrack. <laughs> George of the Jungle. Stop it with that. that. Stop it right now. <laughs> Listen, Phil Collins. He was. He was no, you right. there. I mean, I have so many. I mentioned a bunch. Dazed and Confused, I thought about. Goodfellas, I thought about. Uh, Men in Black, I thought about. I thought about Wild Wild West with Ooh, Will Smith. That was- but that oh, movie is shit. just so, so fucking bad that I couldn't do it. It was literally meant for Will Smith to have the song Wild Wild West. It's yes, just a phenomenal song. <laughs> but the movie's so bad, I couldn't do it. Um, my one honorable mention that I just want to shout out is uh, the movie Fear. Oh, great oh, movie with Witherspoon and uh, Mark Wahlberg. And there is a scene on a roller coaster. Oh, my God. All that right. lives in my brain Fair forever. School. 
What? It's a Ferris wheel. No, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster? I, I thought it was a Ferris wheel. No, because they're going up the roller coaster yes! as okay. she's like getting there. And then as it goes over the peak, then she has the orgasm. They're really hitting you over the head with yes. the uh, visual symbolism. People but... need to stop getting fingered on fucking rides. <laughs> but during that, it's playing the song Wild Horses by the Sundays. And hey, that's that, that fucking scene just, it lives in my head forever. Um I, I don't like much of the other soundtrack. I It has Machine Head by Bush, and I have always Fucking hated Bush. Dude, I love Bush. I know you do. You, you <laughs> no. love mediocre 90s music, but I fucking yeah, hate Bush. Yeah, dude, what, do you, what is there not to like? <laughs> Fuck off with that. <laughs> but uh, that that scene alone gets fear and honorable mention for me. Uh, I'm so mad at you for not saying Above the Rim. How are we oh, talking about yes. Above the Rim? I mean, How then, are we, that's why I just mentioned Lion King. Above the Rim is a fucking great soundtrack. Terrible movie, but a great soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, there's so many iconic hip hop soundtracks from this era, too. I mean, you got Above Boys the Rim, which is not a very good movie, but an incredible soundtrack. Uh, Boys in the Hood, which is an incredible movie oh. and an incredible soundtrack. Uh, Menace to Society is amazing. Uh, Juice is so good. But you're um, like fear. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, I, dude, if you've seen this roller coaster scene, it's a like, really. I haven't cleared it like, As somebody who's seen this movie, I can, I can, I can just. Also, fun fact about the song "Wild Horses." Uh, Alex is gonna hate me, but the TV show "Buffy the Vampire Slayer." <laughs> just go names, ahead and plug our podcast. Names, yeah, names every episode. No, please plug your podcast. That, that's at no, least. No, this has nothing to do with my podcast. This is everything to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But in the one episode, it, there, um, the, the episode of like the high school prom is titled "Wild Horses," and they play that song in the, in the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's an it's a great song, but they really hit you over the head with it with the wild horses yeah. thing in this scene as she is being sexually awakened by a monster mm. played by. Mark Wahlberg, uh, but I. Mark Wahlberg is not a monster, dude. Honestly, dude, HBO Max time. right now. Watch fucking Fear like tonight. Oh, I'm telling you, it's on HBO Max oh, right fuck now. Me. Fucking watch it. See, so what I got nervous about is when you said Fear, I thought you were talking about Cape Fear, not oh. with Robert De Niro. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, this isn't the same movie. <laughs> no, no, not the same movie. No, this has Alyssa Milano in it. Robert um, De Niro, two different Italians. Yes. Uh, also has William Peterson, who now only does CSI, apparently. <laughs> he had such a great acting career at one point. Uh, all right, so that about wraps us up with 90 soundtracks. Two seconds, I want to give you guys to plug your show, Super Friends Sit Down. Tell our listeners about it. Oh, yeah. We have a podcast called Super Friends Sit Down. New episodes come out every Wednesday. Alex, you want to tell them a little bit about the show? So to summarize it, our show is essentially just two different viewpoints from your me, extremely Kinsey six gay and me who doesn't know what that means. So hilarity ensues. We just kind of go back and forth just with whatever we decide to talk about. And uh, Vince we're just puts, two friends having a conversation. Yeah. It's, it's most, great fucking dynamic. <laughs> thank you. It, it was actually one joke we included in the show is uh, I brought up coffee talk from SNL <laughs> And I felt like that's essentially what we are. That and also the uh, the classic Sandler and Farley skit with, uh, fuck, I forgot their names. I think it was like Bill and they, they review like the Zagat's uh, restaurant guide. And basically you say like shit that you think is really funny. And I'm just sitting there like, 
God, kill me. <laughs> oh, you sent me that, didn't you? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's, I mean, really, that is the podcast. Is It's a lot of pop culture, a lot of semi- semi references. A lot of straight references. A lot of semi-current um, news that we talk about sometimes, whether it makes us mad or not. Or, Lots of meme references. Uh, we play games every now and then, which I am the champion of. I just want to make that very abundantly clear. You can make fun of me all you want, but you haven't won, so. Hmm. This is fair. I want, you know what? I win all the time because I get to spend some time with my super friend. <laughs> and that's how we plug that. That was a high five. That's really <laughs> cute, you guys. <laughs> Y'all, got great, away from me. Y'all got a great fucking chemistry with it, honestly. It does It does kind of feel like, I mean, it, listen, like we try and say we have, you know, it's a conversation on the back porch. You guys sound like you're just having a conversation between good friend, uh, two good friends. So they also, too, what we're doing a 90s soundtrack episode here. They literally have a two-part episode just on the 90s in general, um, which is fascinating. You guys go all over the place. Like, somehow you guys literally did touch on the death of uh, Princess Diana, which, you know, know, great job. So... I appreciate that. All and the, all uh, the good stuff. 90s is the best. We're probably going to end up doing another episode on that. I, I, I genuinely about the 90s, it. Right? I mean, being being that we are in Pride Month, uh, we're going to be diving right. diving all over the yeah. Rainbow Road for that all one. Over. Um, like, what else is in store? Do you guys want to kind of, do you still want to keep that maybe a little more guarded? That, yeah, because we still don't even know. Yeah, we got to figure <laughs> it out. Enough. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Basically, what, what we have mapped out so far is Vince is going to take the reins for the opening, and then we're going to pretty much go for it all, all month long. Yeah. And then uh, I, get, just spit. I get to, <laughs> I get to do a little bit of uh, research as well. Yeah, I get to, I get to give him homework. Yeah, him maybe we'll history. do a whole episode on butt chugging if you want. Um, no. I feel like we started. I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. We're already halfway there. <laughs> well, if you do... Dude, butt chugging. Watch Blockers with John Cena. Iconic <laughs> butt chugging. Scene. That's a new movie, right? Like that's not yeah. that's 2018. Not that's in the last few years. For sure. 2018. Good movie. Oh my god. Okay. It's really weird that there was a movie reference available for butt chugging other than Jackass. <laughs> from, from, and from all people, John Cena. Yeah. If uh, if I could plug one more thing from uh, some of our friends and yours is uh, our friend that you guys just had a guest on. You had Mike the other day Dude, yep and uh they just released their album on yesterday right friday yeah. friday yeah. Dude. hell to hell to pay is now available on all streaming services i'm plugging it for them because i genuinely even though they are my friends i love the album start to finish like do you- i think it's great I think the track, very talented. I think the track six through ten run is one of the greatest runs to run an album I've ever heard. And I, I oh, I'm yeah. not even joking. Like I honestly think the closing of this record is absolutely incredible. The whole album is fucking phenomenal. I I, I love it like from from start to end. And yeah, it has nothing to do with the fact that they're friends of both of these podcasts. I literally just met Mike myself, to be perfectly honest, through this computer screen. The way I'm meeting both of you and. Yeah you Alex and Vince here. So like I, I, the album's phenomenal. I mean, acting out too. just that, that that's something that it will always be stuck in my head. Sympathy and validation is also a song that's always going to be stuck in my head. It's a phenomenal album. These guys knocked it out of the park and I'm, I'm stoked they were able to get it out there. I'm I'm genuinely happy for them and everything like it all. It's despite all the events of 2020, I'm just very happy that they're not only getting their name back out there, but now they have this, 
they have this album to now push them forward at like a nice steady pace and hopefully i know he was saying that there's a that he can't talk about it but there's a tour in the works so i'm very happy for them that everything's kind of moving its way forward finally there's we'll shows other than the one that was there yeah, there were shows other than the one that I can actually fucking go to maybe and, and and be able to see this live. I want to be with a nice sweaty mass of people and just climbing all over them all listening to this, you know, listening to these songs played live. So, yeah, uh, very stoked. And yeah, that about wraps us up. So follow Super Friends Sit Down at Super Friends Sit Down on Instagram, correct? Yes, yes. that's us. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah. follow them on Instagram. Subscribe to their podcast. Uh, check out Late Waves, their new album, Hell to Pay. Follow them on Instagram at Late Waves. You can follow us on Instagram at Back Porch Media, at Porchback Media on Twitter. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that shit. Rate, subscribe, review, all those things that podcasts tell you to do. Please do them. It is helpful. Thank you very much. Vince, Alex, it's been a pleasure. This Thanks has been great. On. Yes, so My, minus, we had, we had a little bit of an audio issue in the beginning, but it was a journey. <laughs> guys, it we was figured a it out. I figured it out. I feel closer to you guys now because of said journey. And we bonded. It wonderful. I love yeah. that. It's like when you learn to trust fall. You just <laughs> yeah, make exactly. it work. Right? Wait, hold on. Who had that song? Trust Fall. Bring, oh, it was it. Oh, God. It was a great 20 or 2000s new metal hit. Trapped. Sorry. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. Oh, guys. You really had to do that, didn't you? <laughs> Always bringing up fucking new metal. I hate you. Uh, so that is about it for us. Uh, Did you already cut it off? No. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were. I thought I'm you were looking this way. Him. I thought you were looking this way. He's getting ready, though. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to say all the final words so that we can hit stop. <laughs> so that's about it for us. Thanks for listening, y'all. See ya. Bye.